0: Can you imagine a situation like this? You get arrested. Uh, They put you on trial. Uh, You are convicted. And they then sentence you to a horrible penalty, maybe even the death penalty. And all of that for something that you did not do. Something that you are not guilty of. Maybe especially think of being put on trial for murder. A murder that you didn't commit and you're sentenced to death. Can you imagine a scenario like that? Actually, I think it's really frightening. That's actually a nightmare kind of thing. And people, I think, probably have literal nightmares about being thrown into a violent, dirty prison for a crime they didn't commit and get sentenced to a penalty that they don't deserve. Uh, That's really a bad thing to think about, to even contemplate. Thankfully, we live in a land of justice where that sort of thing uh doesn't happen, where well, we're not mistreated and justice is perverted. Now that's not so everywhere in the world. There are places in this world uh, where you might expect the kind of thing that we described earlier, but thankfully it's not that, that way here. When God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, He made provision uh, for such as we just described. There was justice in the law of Moses. It served, as we've often talked about, not as only their religious law, but also their civil law. And specifically in that law, God made provisions for someone whose situation involved a death, but not a premeditated murder. Uh, There was protection until the case could be heard. In the text that Cole read for us earlier from Joshua chapter 20, we read about how that was to take place. I point out for you cities of refuge, whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses, that the slayer that killeth any person unawares and unwittingly may flee thither, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. And when he that flee unto one of those cities shall stand at the entering of the gate of the city, and shall declare his cause in the ears of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city unto them, and give him a place, that he may dwell among them. And if the avenger of blood pursue after him, then they shall not deliver the slayer up to his hand, because he smote his neighbor unwittingly and hated him not before time. And he shall dwell in that city until he stand before the congregation for judgment, and until the death of the high priest that shall be in those days. Now, this statement, of course, comes from the book of Joshua. In fact, this was near the end of Joshua's lifetime. But Joshua is telling them, uh, instructing them from God that they now that they had occupied the promised land and were settled into it, that they should not forget that God told Moses, appoint these cities, a place of refuge where uh, a manslayer could go. Don't forget, he says, the cities of refuge. And so they set up those cities. Uh, here's a map of where those cities were located. And you might recognize the promised land here. There you see, and by the way, uh, the Jordan River. And remember that two and a half tribes had taken their possession on the east side of the Jordan River. And then the rest of the, of the Israelites were here in the promised land on the west side of the Jordan River. But they set up six cities of refuge. Three on the west side of Jordan, three on the east side of Jordan. But as you just look at that map, you see that these cities were evenly spaced, pretty much evenly spaced throughout the occupied uh, land of the Israelites. They were readily accessible. Uh, they were a real blessing to the people who were in trouble. And they were a sign of God's wisdom and grace in making provision for them in the cities of refuge. We want to draw some parallels to the city of refuge in our study this morning and hope that we can see that God has made provision for us. Uh, actually even a better provision than he made for those people by providing the cities of refuge. But there are some interesting parallels that I hope we can draw out in our study this morning. Before we go any further into that, stop here just to say uh, how grateful we are that we have this opportunity to be together on a really beautiful Sunday morning in Middle Tennessee. We're so glad to be able to join together in the worship of God, our Creator. Thank you for coming. Thanks for Uh, Being a part of what we're doing here today, thanks especially that you're interested in such things, and you encourage all the rest of us by your interest and your uh, participation. So thank you for being here. To our visitors, we say thank you. Please come again every time you have a chance to be with us. And as always, we're open to your questions. Uh, If there's anything we can assist with when it comes to Bible study, let us know. Uh, if, If you have any need that we can address, please tell us. But again, we thank everyone for being here today. What about these cities of refuge? Why would this have anything to do with us? I haven't I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't I haven't even caused anyone's accidental death. My guess is that if we went around the assembly here this morning, there'd be few, if any, of us, who've ever been personally involved in the death of someone. Uh, so maybe we should just ignore this. Well, actually no, because there are some spiritual parallels. The New Testament tells us that we've been given a place of refuge. And in our case, our refuge is Jesus Christ. Notice in Hebrews chapter 6. Now remember, the book of Hebrews was written to Jews who had converted to Christianity. And the Hebrew writer is really emphasizing all throughout the book of Hebrews that what we have in Christ is better than what was offered under the law of Moses. So really, whenever you're looking at the book of Hebrews, you remember that general context of the book. As Christians, what we have is better than what was offered under Moses. Well, that's true in regards to the refuge for us. Notice here in Hebrews chapter 6 that we might have a strong consolation. Notice who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, even Jesus. And so clearly, I think the Hebrew writer here was trying to draw the picture In those people's mind, because they would have been familiar with it, right? These were Jews who had been converted to Christianity. These were people who would have been very knowledgeable about how things were under Moses. They would have known about those cities of refuge. So I think it is not just coincidental that he talks about fleeing for refuge. Under Moses, that's what they did. They fled to those cities of refuge. He says, for us, we flee for refuge, and our refuge is Jesus Christ. Our refuge is better. And what God has provided for us is even better than what He offered under the law of Moses. Think for a minute. What if you had been one of those people back in those times, back under the law of Moses, and maybe you had been the cause of some accidental death? You know, you didn't, you didn't, it wasn't premeditated murder, but unfortunately by something you did or didn't do, someone was hurt, injured, and maybe even died. Wouldn't you have been grateful that there was a place set aside where you could flee to that place for protection? That you could have safety there? I think, yeah, certainly, uh, you would have been grateful for that. This would suggest that we ought to be even more grateful for what God has made available to us, the refuge that God has made available for us in Christ Jesus. And so, Jesus is our place of refuge. Now, The thing to stress is that that place of refuge is available to us all. You know, uh, the the cities of refuge under the law of Moses would have had pretty limited application, I suppose. There's not that many people who are going to be involved in causing a death. The cities of refuge were specifically for you if, if you'd caused the death of someone. Well, as you think about that, the chances of that happening probably fairly remote. Most people will live their whole lives and never get in that situation. But still, there was the provision. But in our case, every one of us, everyone here this morning who's of accountable age and status, we all have the need of a refuge in Christ Jesus because we have all sinned. You know the argument that we typically pose here. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's all of us, everyone of accountable age. You're described there. I am, you are, we all are. We've all sinned and come short of the grace of God. And for that, what we deserve is death. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What we deserve then is to die spiritually, eternally, for the sins that we have committed but God has given us the great gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, a, a place of refuge for us. We all need it. One of the most famous verses of the New Testament is John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that's all, right? God so loved the world that he, that, uh, that he gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so, uh, this refuge in Christ, there's a great need for this. The cities of refuge under Moses may be a limited need for that. But here, the refuge in Christ is available for all, and we all need it. Now, let me talk about maybe what could be considered the other side of that coin. The other side of that coin is, since the refuge in Christ is available, we all need it, so do all the people of the world around us need it. For those of us who are Christians, we are aware of this, right? And we, we have come to this place of refuge in Christ. But there's a lot of lost people out there in the world who have not sought safety in Christ. And it's our job to mark the way for them and to keep the path clear. The Bible doesn't say so, but history says that the Jews took under, took under undertook some special practices in regards to those cities of refuge. As we showed on the map, and you can still kind of see the map there in the background, those cities were evenly spaced. And therefore, everyone was fairly close to one. If you had a need to flee to the city of refuge, you could have got there. But history tells us that the Jews built broad roads leading to those cities, sort of thoroughfares, if you will, expressways to our way of thinking. The roads that led to the cities of refuge, I'm told, were nearly twice as wide As typical roads were uh, in Israel at that time, to make the way easy to go there, they had signs. History tells us that they erected signs pointing to the nearest cities of refuge. The word in their language was miklat. Miklat, miklat. The sign said, and an arrow pointing. And so there was refuge, and the arrow told you which way to flee if you needed that refuge. We're also told that the Jews were careful to remove all obstacles that might slow a person down who was fleeing for refuge. They made sure that the bridges stayed mended. Uh, They filled the the gullies and and, uh, potholes that might develop along the way. They cleared back the undergrowth to keep it out of the the way. They did everything uh, to make it easy to get to the place of refuge. We're told even that there were some assigned people who were available to help a person seeking refuge get there safely. And so they went to a lot of effort to mark the way to the city of refuge to keep the path open. I'd like to suggest to you that we need to do that too. This refuge in Christ is available to all, and those of us who are Christians have already accessed that refuge, right? Right? Now it becomes our job to mark the way and keep the path open. Jesus' great commission in Mark chapter 16, beginning verse 15. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. We've got to keep that way open. We've got to make sure people know about that way. Uh, that they are aware of what you do to seek refuge in Christ. We need to spread the news. Make it known. There's safety here, there's spiritual safety if you will come to the refuge that is in Christ. So, one part of this job that we have now is make people aware of this blessing in Christ through spreading the Word. But I'd like to think about this maybe also in a slightly different way. We've got to keep the way open. We've got to remove any obstacle. And one of the obstacles that that might creep up is we ourselves might become an obstacle because we, we're we Christians. We wear that name. But if we're not living right and our example and influence is bad, we could be throwing up obstacles to others in the way to refuge that will keep them from seeking it. You know, here, here's a fellow. He claims he's a Christian, but he doesn't live right. And everybody knows it. Uh, he's got a filthy mouth. He engages in sinful activity. Oh yeah, he goes to church on Sunday and he calls himself a Christian, but we know him and he's not living right. And so people who know him say, I wouldn't be interested in in what he's doing at all. If that's what it means to be a Christian, I wouldn't care to be a Christian, not any. If that's what a Christian is, I don't want to be that. Do you see how that fellow has thrown up some obstacles in the way of others who might come to the place of refuge? Jesus said in Luke 17, beginning verse 1, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea. If you're obscuring the way of someone else to come to Christ, Jesus said that's a terrible thing. You need to be aware that you'll be judged for that. And so, uh, in, in regards to our modern day place of refuge in Christ Jesus, we all need it. Thankfully, we've learned about it. And we've enjoyed the blessings that come in Christ. Now we need to mark the way for others and keep the path open so they can get there. What about it then? What, what needs to happen? What do people need to do to have the advantage of these places of refuge? Well, first of all, you gotta see the need. As we've often said, a lost person doesn't seek to be found until he realizes he's lost. And the same thing's true spiritually. Every person needs to see their undone spiritual condition uh and 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 the fact that they need to be saved back in moses day, if you needed a city of refuge, you'd know it right uh, If you had caused the death of a person you'd be immediately aware of the fact I need to flee to that city of refuge and i'm not i 'm not slowing down till I get there. Uh, you would have known of your need uh Today, people are not so aware of their spiritual need for refuge in Christ. They almost seem oblivious to their spiritual condition. Uh, so, so many people in the world use the argumentation, you know, I'm I'm really a pretty good person. You know, I, I live a pretty good life. And I tell you for sure, I'm a whole lot better than most of the people in a, in this town. Because this town's got a lot of evil people in it. And I'm not one of them. I don't do things like a lot of people do out there. I'm a pretty good person. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really in bad shape. I I feel pretty secure. They don't even realize that they're lost because they've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so people need to see the need. In Romans chapter seven verse twenty four. Paul used this description of himself. He said, "O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death?" That's how we need to view ourselves. Without Christ. And without the salvation and blessings that come in Christ Jesus, we need to view ourselves as wretched, lost, miserable people. We need to see ourselves as we really are. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul was describing the Gentiles before they had the opportunity to come to God through Christ Jesus. And he said they were without Christ, having no hope, and without God in the world. And that really describes people who have never yet today had the blessings that come through Christ Jesus. No hope without God. And so people need to see just how serious their situation is. And again, i got to stress to you, we're trying to draw this parallel between how it is today and back during those days of Moses and the cities of refuge. If this person had caused a a death, and needed to flee to the city, he'd know that, and nothing would prevent him. He wouldn't slow down. He would rush to the city of refuge. We need to be that same way. We need to see that we're lost without Christ. And if I've not obeyed the gospel, if I'm not living faithfully to the Lord, I'm in a bad shape. I need to hurry to the place of refuge. In close conjunction with that point, let me make this one. You have to desire the protection that is being offered. Uh, again, try to picture this. Old Testament times, Law of Moses times. Here's a fellow who has caused a death. Now, he's aware that there are cities of refuge spaced all around Israel. In fact, the roads are broad and open. And there are even arrows pointing the way, how to get to those cities of refuge. And so he's aware of all that. Uh, uh, he's not really interested, though. He's not particularly interested in pursuing that. Uh, he's not going to go. Can you imagine that? No, because if he doesn't go, the avenger of Blood's going to come and kill him, right? Uh, you, you can't imagine a person who would be aware that he needs protection, but doesn't want to do anything about it. That that scenario is just hard to imagine. But I I'm want to tell you that describes a lot of people in our world today. They know they know what the Bible teaches. Uh, they're aware of the punishment of judgment that's coming, but they do nothing about it. In fact, some people specifically refuse to take the safety that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus's refuge is for those who know Who are weary of their burden of sin, who want some help, who desiring some rest. Famous passage in Mark 11, excuse me, Matthew 11, beginning verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. What about you this morning? Do you see your need for refuge, for spiritual safety in Christ? Are you weary? with bearing the load of sin in your life? And Jesus invites you to come. Come to Him for rest. But you've got to desire that. You need to see your needs. You need to desire the protection. And then, you got to take action, right? you got to do something. Back then, under the law of Moses, they had to literally flee to the city of refuge. There was no protection for them if they didn't go. You've got to go there. you got to do this. you got to follow this plan, right? They had to take action. They had to take personal initiative. Now, think about this. Everything had been put in place to provide for them. The cities were designated. Uh, the, The roads there were kept clear and open. The arrows pointed that way. The people in those cities were welcoming. Come in. We'll take care of you. We'll protect you. Everything was in place. But the person who needed it still had to go there. Even though everything else had been done, they had to take initiative. They had to take action to be protected. I'll tell you, that very well describes our situation. Jesus has been provided as the sacrifice for our sins. God graciously and mercifully allowed His own Son to die that horrible death on the cross of Calvary as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of mankind. He provided through His Holy Spirit a a revealed plan whereby we could have our sins forgiven. Be in a right relationship with Him and have the hope of going to heaven when this life is over. Everything is in place. But unless you take action, it doesn't mean anything to you. Just like back then, so is the peril of the day. We have got to take action. You remember the famous question that was asked of Saul at Tarsus in Acts 22, verse 16? Why tarryest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That same question stands out there today. Why tarriest thou? What are you waiting for? Why are you waiting to obey the gospel? Why are you waiting, not taking advantage of the safety and refuge that's in Christ Jesus? Why, why tarriest thou? That question needs to be asked to those who have never obeyed the gospel. But it also needs to be asked to those who are not faithful to the Lord, who, who maybe having become a Christian in time past have fallen away. Why are you waiting to make that right? Why are you waiting? Why won't you come back to the Lord and be right with Him? Why, thou, if you need to take action, you need to take action. Everything's been put in place to prepare the way for you and to provide for you the safety, but you've got to take initiative. You've got to take action. Finally, let me suggest to you that in regards to those cities of refuge, as we read there, you've got to stay in the city of refuge. Once you get there, you've got to stay there. Let me take you back to Numbers 35. Here's Numbers 30. This this is actually, we, earlier we were talking about Joshua, where Joshua went about to implement the plan. Here's some of the instruction that Moses gave, that God gave to Moses and he gave to the people about setting up these places of refuge. He says in Numbers 35, beginning verse 26, If the slayer shall at any time come without the border of the city of his refuge, whether he was fled, and the avenger of blood find him without the borders of the city of his refuge, and the avenger of blood kill the slayer, he shall not be guilty of blood, notice, because he should have remained in the city of his refuge. That's a pretty easy point to make too, isn't it? Go there. This is provided for you. Go there, but stay there. Because if you come out, If you don't stay within the place of safety, if you come out and the revenger of blood finds you, he's going to slay you, there's no protection for you outside the place of refuge, right? Well, that's applicable to us too, right? Our place of refuge is Christ, but we've got to stay there. If we come out from our place of refuge, then there's no safety for us either. In Hebrews chapter 10, to those Hebrews, the writer said, you have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Lots of passages like this in the New Testament would say, we've got to stay faithful. We've got to keep serving God. We've got to stay in the place of refuge, just like they did. We have to. There may be some other parallels you can think of, but these ones that come to mind concerning those cities of refuge. We just recently read about this in our daily Bible readings, and there's some interesting parallels. So often when we're studying the Old Testament, there are easy, direct parallels between their physical condition in Israel of old and our spiritual condition in the Lord's church. Uh, I thought this one certainly was applicable and parallel and maybe some things that we can learn. Well, what's your situation today? Do you need refuge? If you've never obeyed that simple gospel plan of salvation, you are in need of the refuge that is available through Christ Jesus. Hear the truth. Believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of sins. If you're ready to obey, we're ready to assist you. We'd be anxious to do so. If you need more instruction, we can do that too. Let us know. If you're a Christian already, but you've not been faithful, that's just like the fellow who would wander outside the city of refuge. Out there, outside the borders of the city, no protection. You need to come back in. Come back into the place of refuge. If you're a Christian and you've fallen away, come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing.